Chapter 8, Time to Check Out Sarah cautiously entered Tiffany's room, hoping not to see something she couldn't erase from her memory, but to her surprise, she found the ghetto princess fast asleep. After running amok all night, it was no doubt in her mind the troublemaker had to be exhausted. She was relieved there wasn't another issue in the making, but yet, she had a weird strong urge to pay her back for all the problems she'd already caused, and now was the perfect opportunity to even the score. Imagining pulling Tiffany out of her peaceful sleep and watching her face hit the ground after giving her her walking papers put a slightly devilish smile on Sarah's face, but it felt too petty. She wasn't willing to stoop that low, and it most definitely wouldn't live up to Max's moral standards. Plus, Tiffany needed to be wide awake to heed the warning she was about to throw down. She knew Tiffany had a warped way of interpreting things, or what some would call a uniquely trifling outlook on life, but she wanted to make it clear, enforcing her warning was guaranteed. With that in mind, Sarah quietly closed the door and headed to Denise's room instead. Sarah knocked on the door as Denise slowly pried the door open, revealing a slightly relieved look to see her and not someone else. It was clear the woman hadn't been to sleep all night. Yet, what alarmed Sarah more was that urgent look plastered across her face, like she had something to get off her chest. Reading her body language and noticing that frightening look in her eyes, Sarah knew there had to be a problem. She was half afraid to ask what it was, but curiosity always gets the cat. Denise, are you okay? Did something happen during the night? Denise avoided direct eye contact with Sarah. Instead, she looked down at the floor, which only confirmed something was wrong. Sarah walked over to the corner of the room and sat in an empty chair. Okay, what's going on? Let me help you. Immediately, tears welled up in Denise's eyes, but her mouth wasn't moving. Sarah gently grabbed her hand. Denise, you're making me worry. Did someone do something to you? What the hell is going on? Finally, Denise cried out. I don't like him. After a deep sigh of relief, Sarah realized there wasn't a real problem after all, although she couldn't let on that was the case. From the very first day she saw the woman, she knew she wasn't up for the challenge. However, telling Denise she was already off the hook just wasn't smart. It was easier to let her run with the current narrative. So, Sarah played along. It's okay. No one's forcing you to date the mayor. Denise looked relieved to hear Sarah's answer, but her voice still trembled with fear. Can I leave now? I just want to go home. Of course you can. No one's holding you hostage. Immediately, Sarah reached for the phone and called the front desk. Hello, front desk. How may I help you? It's Sarah. Ms. Thomas will be checking out. Have someone help her with her bags. Frantically, Denise started throwing clothes into her luggage like her panties were on fire. This is no reflection on your hotel, but this was a mistake from the start. No offense, taken. I completely understand. Bradford isn't everyone's cup of tea. With Denise running for the hills, Sarah took a deep breath and walked towards Amber's room, hoping she didn't have a change of heart too. It would be a shame to come this far and have their plans fail, especially since Bradford was already smitten with the woman and the clock was still ticking. As Sarah reached the door, Amber opened it without her knocking. At first, it startled her, but Amber's warm smile and pleasant greeting eased her nerves. Good morning. Sarah returned the pleasantries, walked in, and took a seat. She found it hard not to like Amber, but the more they interacted, the more things felt slightly off. 
Sarah couldn't put her finger on what felt weird, but it was something. She was just too good to be true, and Sarah was determined to get some answers. I hope you slept well. Yes, I did. You have a beautiful hotel. So, I heard your date with the mayor went great, but I have a question, that is if you don't mind. Sure, ask me anything. Why did you put your profile on a mail-order bride website? The question was blunt and straight to the point. Even the most poised and charming woman couldn't wiggle out of this direct question, but Sarah waited to see if Amber would try. Amber hesitated for a few moments. So, what's your story? I'm all ears. Desperation. I grew up in India. My mother's family was poor, but that didn't stop my father's attraction to her. He always said my mother was the most beautiful woman he'd ever laid eyes on. He was American, working for a big tech company station in India. They dated for a while, but things got serious when she got pregnant with me. When my dad's work visa expired, authorities forced him to return to the States. I was about 10. He tried to get the necessary documents for me and my mother to travel with him, but the system worked against us. So, we remained in India. However, separation was just the tip of the iceberg. We had no idea the worst was coming. He traveled back and forth, for a while, but things weren't the same. He couldn't remain in India, and we couldn't go to America. Nevertheless, we made the best of the situation until he died. His friend said his death was from a broken heart, but we found out later, it was cancer. The money he sent over monthly stopped immediately, and we were left to fend for ourselves. My mother tried to keep us afloat by working her fingers to the bone, but poverty found us again. Before I knew it, she was gone too. After my 25th birthday, my only dream was to get to America. I had two girlfriends with the same ambitions. So, we pulled our pennies together and finally made the journey. I thought proving my father was American would allow me to stay, but that wasn't the case. Don't get me wrong. I'm legal now, but I'm at the end of my 10-year work visa. The family curse is repeating itself. Yet my friends weren't so lucky. They couldn't get a work visa and we learned the only legal way for them to stay was to get married. That's when we found the mail-order bride website. They decided it was their best chance to stay in America. They knew it was risky, but if they met decent men, it would be like hitting the lottery. Where are your friends now? One got horrible news and quickly returned home. The other got married a few years ago. I don't want to return to India, and since the website worked for one of my friends, I decided to sign up too. Amber's answer didn't send up any red flags. In a way, it put Sarah's mind slightly at ease. If that was Amber's only secret, the group had nothing to worry about. So, she got up, slowly walked towards Amber, and gently grabbed her hand. Although Bradford is the mayor, and his reputation sometimes precedes him, he's a decent guy. He won't hold your situation against you. Trust me, he likes you and has the pull to cut your red tape. Amber smiled, not knowing what to say next, but Sarah honestly didn't expect a response. She knew Amber didn't have a clue about the world she was walking into, but felt like she was more than capable of handling it. However, the urge to step back from Bradford's love life grew for Sarah. It started to feel like she was in the mayor's back pocket. Every time she completed a task, another one popped up, with Max and Bradford goading her to do more. She owed the mayor nothing. 
It wouldn't be easy, but she needed to find a way out of Bradford's mess before it ruined her reputation, 